Okay. Shalom Aleichem, Shalom Aleichem. How are you guys doing? Hashem, how was your week? Yeah, how was your Shabbos? Was nice? Hashem. But, but honestly, Ezrat Hashem, we're going to be studying the law, the Midah of Tshuva. What? The Midah of Tshuva? Maha Kesher. What does that mean, the Midah of Tshuva? What does it mean, Midah of Tshuva? What's the Midah of Tshuva? Being able to admit when you're wrong and then do something. That's a Midah? That's an action. You do Tshuva. With the midah. Someone is born, someone's, someone's born with a, a more sensitivity, with a sensitivity towards, uh, for example, towards, uh, you know, busha, to being a little bit more, you know, they don't, they, they naturally don't raise their voice high. They're just the type of people that just feel uncomfortable, you know, stage fright, they don't want to be called on to, be, to read, they want to stay in the back of the, see in the back of the room. You have some people who are naturally very loud, someone who love to be in the front of the room, someone who love to be 100% <laughs> absolutely in the front. People have different natures. That's okay. Hashem created you the way you are. We're born that way, right? But the idea is, is that everybody has a certain detia. Some people are more prone to kas. Some people are much more chill. They have much more chill vibes, much more relaxed. So what does it mean when we say the midah of tshuva? And I think that the MS is that some people are born with an innate ability, not just to admit when they're wrong, but to understand how to properly place what does it mean when they make a mistake, how to appreciate it. I've spoken about this a million, millions of times already this past year, but the Midah of Mindset. Right? I spoke about this book called Mindset. Did I, talk, did I push this book on you? Oh, let me explain. Oh, let me explain. People oftentimes have a kind of what we call a fixed mindset or a growth mindset. Have you ever heard this term before, these two different yeah. terminologies? Growth mindset and Fixed mindset. Fixed mindset, just to explain for those who may not know. Fixed mindset is for those who uh, they think, I'm good at what I am. I'm not going to even step out, even mashu, I'm inside of what I'm already good at. I know what I'm good at. I'm not going to push myself. I'm not going to try hard. I don't want to test. I don't want to, God forbid, fail. Someone who has a growth mindset is obviously someone who's interested in growth. Someone who's willing to challenge themselves. Who's willing to, yes, fail, to mess up, to look stupid, to look dumb, to sound stupid, to be stupid even. Can you imagine? Can you imagine, Ali? It's the most crazy thing in the entire world. But you know what? Those people somehow in their psyche are able to understand that the mistake, the difficulty, the challenge is part and parcel of the growth. And people are born with that. So inher- inherently, the shoresh, I would call, of tshuva, that which forms the basis of someone who can do tshuva, at the basis of that is somebody who's willing to accept mistakes and to properly place it in its proper place and to understand how to grow from it. So yes, it is a midah. Doing tshuva is a midah. It's not just something that you actively do or something that you don't do. It's something that a person has to properly understand. Someone who has the ability to understand how you understand mistakes, how you understand difficulties, how you understand challenges, how you understand human failures is somebody who can do tshuva more properly. So that's exactly the point that I wanted to talk about today. Says, the Dorch HaSadikim, taking a look at source number one. Ha-tshuva, what is tshuva? Omer Bilevi. Sorry. Omer Bilevi. G'doy le-tshuva. Tshuva is so massive, so great. You have a source sheet? So great. How far does it reach? How great is tshuva? Abby, how far is tshuva? How far is tshuva? Ad shemagat. I'm talking to Abby now. Shemagat. Ad kisei hakavu. Whoa, kisei hakavu. What, what does it even mean? It reaches to the heavenly throne. Ad shemagila kisei hakavu. Shuvah Yisrael ad Hashem elokecha. V'amru abatino zechon levracha. Kishalam Moshe lerakias. Beautiful medrash that he's about to quote. The Chazadikim. That when Moshe came to the first firmament, he found groups of angels. And this is at the period of time where Moshe went up to Shamayim to receive the Torah. 
But throughout that process, a lot more happened than just receiving the Torah. He went up to the first Milo of, of the Rakia, and we saw different classes of Malachim. He opened in front of them a Sefer Torah. The Yom they read from the first day. They started talking about and speaking of all the different praises of the Torah. Then he went up to the seventh for a minute. I skipped the, the one, two, three. Each one is his own level. Until he got to the seventh level. As we know, how many levels are in Shemayim? The seven levels. And there he found the, the heavenly creatures. The Srofim. Vayifanim. The the highest, highest beings that we can that we have no words in our English lexicon to, be, to actually explain. Angels of kindness, of justice, angels of fear, of trembling. At once Moshe was so scared. Hachzik, he took the throne. What does that mean he took the throne? Miyad he grabbed the throne. Okay. And his Mashvi. He started reading from the seventh day of Mysibrachis. What was the seventh day of Mysibrachis? He started to speak about the Shvacha Shel Tshuva. What in the world is going on here? Shvacha of the Shvi, the Shvach of Yom Hashvi, which is Shabbos, is connected to the Shvach of Shabbos of Tshuva. Like, what's going on over here? What is Shabbos and Tshuva? No, the word Shav. Shabbos and Teshuvah means to return. So you could, you could you be, think of some beautiful ideas. But what is going on over here? Why is it specifically it gets up to the seventh level of Shamayim? Lalam to teach us magad When someone does Tshuva, no matter, God forbid, how far a person falls, when you do Tshuva, it doesn't go through like what we call like, you know, when I'm trying to get my, right now I'm trying to get like a visa in Israel. So what do I do? I have to send an email to like one part of the Misrat Apnim which hopefully that email gets seen by some human who hopefully will get to then push it on to the person who actually will make, maybe give me a reservation. And then hopefully I'll be able to actually meet with somebody. But when somebody does tshuva, it's magia kisiyakavim. It goes straight to the top. That's tshuva. When somebody does tshuva, it goes straight to the top. At the end of the day, it's not just like a bureaucratic issue of like, oh no, we're hopefully this, hopefully that. We're mamish going straight to the top. Doing tshuva, you know. That's it. We're doing tshuva, <laughs> and I think ultimately that is kind of what tshuva is. Tshuva is where it's we're reminding ourselves that Hashem's listening to you. Hashem cares about you. Hashem wants to hear from you. That Hashem wants to hear from you, no matter how far a person has fallen. Is always tshuva. It's never too late. I know you can't sing. It's not fair, but I'm gonna do it anyway. You, they all make mistakes, or we all make mistakes. I don't know. I don't know. You see, you don't know exactly. You don't even know. Baruch Hashem, where you invite that? Now, there's a really interesting lashon here. Did anybody notice? There's something really interesting. Did any, anybody notice anything interesting in the Orchasadikim? That when, when Moshe Rabbeinu saw these scary forms, apparently he got scared. Miyad Ochaz He grabbed onto the holy throne. What does that mean? What does it actually mean? Huh? He went closer to Hashem. What does that even mean? I don't even, you're, you're speaking Chinese to me. What does that even mean? You say good. You have to say, say a word. He grabbed, so grab Hashem. I don't know what that, that means. I mean, does it make any sense to you to grab the kiss of Yaakovit? I don't think. Why? So there's obviously an imagery that Chazal wants us to really focus on. That's why I, come, I want to go into actually source number two. Okay, I'm going to take on a wild ride. The Gemara Masech Shabbos tells us something amazing. Did you know? Did you know that the Malachim were not happy that Kosh Baruch Hu wanted to give the Torah to Klal Yisrael? Right? Yeah. 
You guys knew about this? Very famous Gemara. What are these lowly human beings? Why do they deserve the Torah? We deserve the Torah. It's not fair. These lowly human beings have a low kashur, low nothing. Their mom, alapanim is the same every. They're nothing. What are they focused on? The most stupid things. You know, a human is so frail, especially a narcissist. You walk by a, a, a not even a mirror, the reflection of a car. What do you do? Oh, you look at yourself. You're so lowly. You're so into yourself. You're thinking about a Kaddish Baruch You're expecting a human being, a, a creation, to care about high ideas, to think about how to make the world a better place. This person can't even walk by a window without looking at himself. Think he's worried about somebody else? What did Hashem say? What did Hashem say? Anybody know? Moshe, hachzelem tshuva. I know, it's a rhetorical question. Hachzelem tshuva. Respond to them. They're making a good time why give the Torah something so supernal, so high being, so tremendously above space and time, and to give it to this lowly human being, to leave these lowly nothings that... Shtuyot. Miyad. The Gemara says in Masech HaShabbos, you know what Moshe Beno did? What did Moshe Beno do? I said, Hashem said, I'm scared. No, I'm sorry, but Moshe said to Hashem, I'm scared. I'm scared, I can't respond. They're going to they're blow me up. I'm going to get burnt. Oh, my HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Hashem said... Hachzeik as kisei hakavod. Grab onto the kisei hakavod and give a response. Somehow, there's something that is that is number one. The imagery about the fact that you see two different chazals using the same exact terminology of grabbing onto the kisei hakavod, and two that there's something that is that is protective about the kisei hakavod, and that allowed Moshe Rabbeinu to respond to the malachim. My Kesher, why should you take two papers, make sure. Why, why should there be anything special about the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu is grabbing onto the Kisei HaKovit? So what did, Moshe, what did Moshe respond, by the way? Does anybody know? This, that's not a rhetorical yeah, question. Yeah. What did Moshe say? Give me one answer. What did he say, for example? No? Me? Sorry, I'll go for it, yeah? He was bringing proofs from the Torah that's on the Tzimachim. Oh, Michal, like, does he, does he like, what did he want to say also? No, like what? For example, like what? One good example. Like, oh, Maxivba, so this, that's the Gemara I'm quoting right now. Maxivba, what does the Torah say? Moshe responds back to Malachim. You want to keep the Torah? You want the Torah, Michal? Makesha, you want the Torah? Zohar is Yom Shabbos Akadshoi. Klumat Do you guys do even any work to then have to stop doing work? Shatim Shrikim Shavos, you need to relax. Maxivba, he also says further on, he said, Loisisa, Masamatanish Benechim, do you even do any like, any business with each other? Do you even have any Yitzaharas? Maxiv, a like you said. So, you have any parents? Do you murder? Do you cheat? Do you steal? Do you even have any kinna? Do, do you have any desire for jealousy for anybody else? It's a hara, Yishbanechem. Do you have any it's a hara, Bechlau? Do you have any it's a hara? Miyad, right away. Hoidu loy lahakaj baruchu. Hoidulo, what does it mean? So Hoidu could actually be touched in two ways. It could be either they admitted or they're moide. Moide means Lashon Hoida, to actually praise. Miyad Hoidulakashbrahu. So the the, the Pashup Shat, the way you regular would translate it, is that they write it away admitted to Hashem. Say, okay, we admit it. Fine, we see that you have a Khajbin. But I want to read it a little differently. They are moide is in the sense that they were praising Hashem. There's something inherent about Moshe's response that they didn't just see, okay, fine, we're wrong, but more like, Hashem, wow. 
we, now we really understand the godless of you. We, now we really understand your tremendousness, that you want to give the Torah specifically to these people. And not only that, but the Torah is specifically tailored for these individuals. Shenemar, Hashem says, Hashem adneinu madir so something, again, I want to kind of figure out over here. What is going on? So I want to suggest like this. When Hashem said, to grab onto the throne of glory, it wasn't just making a statement of protection. Of course, that's true. But I want to suggest something even deeper than that. There's something that the fact that the tshuva's magia ad kisei hakavod, in the fact that it doesn't just go straight to the top, but is in, if anything, that is the tachlis habria. That is the very reason why Akash created the world. The entire reason for the Torah is, is specifically meant for the fact that we're, we're faulty. Dafka for the fact that we make mistakes. Dafka for the fact that we're not perfect. Inherently built into the reason why Hashem gave the entire Torah to Klai Yisrael is, because we're messed up. Exactly. You proved my point. Because we're messed up. But I thought it's to build a closer connection. That is. I mean, that is the closer connection. The closer connection is inherently the fact that we make mistakes, that we're not perfect, that we, make dif- that we have difficulty, that we're kinah, that we're so, so, just to go back to that point, that you think that you are going to be somebody who's a giver to the rest of the world, who expects to help other people, and you barely can even withhold staring at yourself for half a second, walking past a car with its reflection. You're, again, it's, it brings it down to real, to real fact. You're really, really self-centered. We're all self-centered. Every single one of us. Why? Nah, don't blame it on that. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right? I sh- no, don't blame it. On, don't blame. Don't blame us on yourself. Blame it on Hashem. <laughs> yeah, that's the point. Hashem made the mirrors and he made us being attracted to ourselves. Meaning, I want to explain to you that's the point. I killed somebody. So the fault. Oh, so we'll connect to that in a second. Hashem created those faultiness, that the, the difficulty, the pain, the frustration, the the feeling of that you can't get you get you out of your own way. You're constantly in your own way. You can't get out of it. You're inconsistent. You're messed up in the head. You're selfish. Yeah. But Hashem did it on purpose. Yeah. If you feel personally called out, then I guess it applies to you. But more, more but honestly, Hashem created because Barasi Lachay Sahara, Barasi Lacha, Torah, Tavlin. You know the Gemara says Masechus Kedushin, right? The Gemara says Masechus Kedushin. Hashem created the Sahara, and Hashem created the Rafua. Hashem created the very thing which is actually going to cure us. Barasi l'chal Yitzhahara, God gave us Yitzhahara, and God created us the Torah specifically to take care of that Yitzhahara. Yes, you have a question. So like, how is it like, Hashem created the Torah and gave it to us because like, we're messed up, and the Torah helped us like, be less messy. Yes. Generation, yes. Be less, less, less. Without oh. the Torah, you would be nothing. And a person has to truly believe that. Dovid HaMelech said, what did he say? What did he say? No? He said a lot of things. No, I know he said that. If he didn't have the Torah, says Dovid HaMelech, I would be destroyed. Oz Avadati. Oz Avadati. I would be gone. I would be destroyed. It's a famous uh, Devekas song, no? Not Devekas, some, uh, what do you call it? Journeys, Journeys. 
He sits late at night in the soft candlelight. Ooh. As in, what song is it? Yeah, I'm right. really not good lyrics. All on the table. I know. Yeah. Is What's the and the leaves in the why does he cherish the wisdom of old and delight in his study each day? He knows only Torah can nourish his soul. Come listen and hear what he says. I was sucked race hill, was main pesha, my rova far was hearts do need via by a Torah without you. I surely would die. No, no. Yeah, Shashua, exactly. The Torah is what gives us that delight. And without the Torah, a person truly needs to believe that they would be behemoths. The, without the Torah, we'd be behemoths. And I don't mean like literally on the, our two hands and floors. Although, <laughs> I just heard in Oregon, a public school has literally, in the bathroom, <laughs> okay, I'm not going to go too deep into it. I just heard this recently, <laughs> that there are kids who literally think that they're animals and they go to the bathroom in, in, uh, in litter boxes. Yes. You know about this? Abby literally is having a heart attack right now as we speak. Can you imagine? With, and you have to strongly believe this. Without the Torah, we would be animals. Why? Because the humanity is unfettered without having a code of law to live by. For sure, this is the logical explanation. Without having something that guides us, that has something that sticks us in the ground and makes sure that we have unchanging values, without that, you would be a behemoth. I'm, I, it's the funniest thing. I remember I used to talk, my Rebbe used to talk about this in high school. Like we used to joke, or Rebbe saying, without the tire, you're an animal, you're an animal, yeah, you can know be an animal. Literally, people think they're furries. Okay, okay. Uh, I don't know. People are married airplane. What did you say? Listen, there's something severely messed up. I don't get. I don't get too severely deep into it, but I think there's something deeply wrong. There's something deeply wrong with a society which is unmoored. You know, unmoored means detached, disconnected, disconnected from any sense of true. Ethics, true essence of what is right and what is wrong. You know, I don't know. I'm going to get canceled for this. I might get canceled for this, but I'm going to be honest. You're already canceled, yeah. Mask him, but you know what? There's like levels. Believe me, there's levels. <laughs> I'm going to use the word. I might get canceled for this. I'm going to use it with the hard R, okay? I'm going to use the hard R. You ready for this? No. Mm, right and wrong, okay? There's something in this world called right and wrong. Right and wrong is a, is a dirty word today. To have the conception of something called right and wrong? Ooh, wow, Rabbi, you don't want to say that nowadays. Anyways, so the idea is, is that having this conception of what's right and wrong is what the Torah gives us something which is unchanging value, which never changes? Then yeah, you're going to be a behemoth. The Torah gives us an opportunity. And it's a crazy thing, by the way. By the way, the concept of tshuva, people always say, the Bali Musra speak about, the Bali Machshavah speak about, that tshuva is a matana, tshuva is a gift. Tshuva is a gift from heaven. Why is it a gift? You know the craziest thing is? What happens if a person does tshuva miyira? You know what they say about tshuva miyira? That what? Meaning they make your aver that was on purpose, nase kesh gaga. Makes it viewed as you did it unintentionally. But what if someone does tshuva miyira? It's like it never happened. It's like they did it what happens if you do a tshuva miyira? They do it with love. It's like it never happens. Not just like it never happens. It becomes a mitzvah. 
Right, yeah. Can you imagine a mitzvah? Can you imagine Esther Nahum, Bezrat Hashem, you're going to be a mother. Amen. And in you'll be a good mother too. Believe me, it's not, believe me, there's a lot of mothers out there who are not good mothers. Okay, I'm sure nobody knows anything like that. But let me tell you something amazing. If you're a mother, you have 50-50 chance of being a mother to either make your kids the most amazing kids ever or to mess them up royally. Okay? I hope, I hope for some of us, maybe percentage-wise, there's at least one of us here that has to start saving up for our kids' therapy because you're going to mess them up. Okay? If you don't work on yourself, you're going to mess your kid up. Can you imagine the pain, and, the, and I know quite a few parents like this who had terrible mahal chesinuch and messed their kids up. They were too strict when they should have been more relaxed. They should have been more relaxed when they were too strict. I, I just did the same thing twice. But right. <laughs> they should have been more strict, strict when they should have been more relaxed. Thank you so much. <laughs> Whatever. You know what? I'm working on myself, okay? I accept my faults. You know, I can't keep track of one thing I say from one thing to the next. But it's important to say. But what I'll tell you something amazing here is that when a person messes their kid up, one of the feelings of dread that a person feels is the idea, is the realization that there's no going back. You messed up. This kid is now dealing with a myriad of emotional difficulties because of your problems. Because you couldn't have self... No, you're trying to make it up. You buy him pizza, buy him ice cream. You give him an iPad. Yeah, that's... Do you know how many parents are trying to make up for the messed up relationship they did with their kids by buying them things which are even more destructive for their kids? You know, you see that 18-year-old, 17-year-old girl who's having a struggle with the Yiddish guy. What does a parent do? Buy a smartphone. Wow, genius. Wow, your mom's a genius. Yeah, and get on, on the LinkedIn. And, I'm just, and get, on, get on Facebook. Get on Snap, Snapberg and Insta, Insta chats. Whatever it is. And to ruin your kids even further than they're already ruined up. Oh, but I'm trying to make amends. So you buy them whatever they want. So you're further messing them up. Enabling behavior. That's what you do. Just enable ba- even worse behavior. Because why? You can't handle it. You mess things up. Shuva has an amazing quality to it, which is that, wow, you messed up? You can make it better. Not just make it better. You can make it something which is actually a point of growth. And by the way, as I don't want to give anybody the feeling that, God forbid, if, if you're in a situation where you feel that relationship is messed up and you can't fix it, every relationship can be fixed. It can be, I know stories of parents who messed up their kids severely that after going through process, their own personal process of chuva, we call it the retraining or refocusing on their minds, they will call back their children, now who are 35, 40-year-old adults, and they will call them up and say, I want you to know I was wrong by doing that. I was wrong by doing that. I messed that up. I messed this up. Now, you, may not, you can't expect it for yourself, but for you to be that type of person to then come back to them, that relationship can be repaired. There's really very few things that can't be repaired. As Rav Nachman says, there's always an opportunity to fix. There's nothing that's too deep down the line. But it's the dread, it's the feeling that you messed up so badly, there's no going back. That's the pain of Shuba. Tell you have a question, yeah. No, I have like a statement. Yeah, go ahead. In Sibra Tomorrow this Thursday night, I was in Sibra Tomorrow Tomorrow, and I was like, 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 I when you bang a nail into wood and there's like always a spot, like always a spot left there. And like it's never ever, even if you do chuba, it's never like. Right. It's never fully there. repaired. I was listening to Rabashi Weiss and Rabashi Weiss was saying that she missed the other half of the mushroom, which I think the Oracle Kubikin is saying that like a beautiful flower grows out of that like spot that you nailed into that oh. wood. And oh. like it's 
It's very good. It's very powerful. I heard this actually once when I was a Bakr. Now, I've spoken about this in the past a few times. I myself did not come from, from a, a built home. I came from what they call a broken home. Right? A broken home. My parents are divorced. And I heard once when I was a Bakr, I heard from like Hassan Shmuzin, like a certain Rav was giving over a shear, and he was saying how a marriage is like a new suit. You can, you can rip it a few times, and you can fix it a few times, but eventually, if the suit has so many rips in it, it's not worth very much. And that made me so depressed. Why make me depressed? Because it puts on this like, intense pressure that when you're in a relationship, that you have to be scared of every single fight. And the last thing you should be doing is to be scared of a fight. Meaning to say, not, not to get into the fight, you should try the best you can not to get into it, but afterwards, not to be so overwhelmed by the concept that you got into a difficult situation with your spouse that you can't get out of it, that you can't rebuild from it, you can't recreate a relationship, or you can't return, you can't what they call in, in psychology to repair, right? The, the, there's always an opportunity to repair. And it's not like a new suit where you know, it gets ripped and ripped and ripped and ripped and throw it out. That's very, very negative, and that really, really depressed me. When I heard that, it really depressed me. And I had to, for a long time, re- so I mean, the idea is that it's not something where it's like un, you can't go back to it. I had to really retrain myself to this feeling of like it's not something that you can totally, you, of course you should try to do the best you can never to get into that situation to the best of your abilities. And that, mean, that means like really trying, not like, well, okay, given the information, like, I heard this statement all the time, given the information that I had, the feelings that I had at the moment is justifiable, but yeah, okay, now in retrospect I shouldn't have done it. You hear that statement? Yeah, that statement's stupid. Thank you, but I hear that, you know how often I hear that? Let me repeat it again. Based off the information that I had at the time, or the feelings and the emotions that I had, it's understandable. But really now, I see in post facto that once I know the information, then I wouldn't, do, I wouldn't have done that. Like, that, that shirks all responsibility that you sh there is very little excuses to be or to act in a way that is inappropriate in a, in a fight. An emotion or a, a, mo a mindset, or what we call dysregulation, is not a reason to act. Often you don't have all the information, so if you're saying that every time you don't have all the information, you're not feeling... Right, which is why you have to have objective rules. Which, you have, which is why you have to have objective rules, exactly. Objective rule means you don't shout. You don't scream. You don't throw things at somebody. Oh, Rifki, you think you're not going to throw something at somebody? <laughs> okay, maybe not. You probably won't. Okay, so listen, we all say that now. But you have to know, okay, listen. If you exhibit it in one part of your life, don't be surprised you'll exhibit another part of your life, okay? You have to stop that stuff cold turkey. That stuff has to be phased out pretty quickly because it will manifest itself in other, in other parts of your life. God forbid, if not for your spouse, for your kids. It's scary. But this whole theme of this class is just because it's scary doesn't mean you shy away from it, okay? You gotta be honest with yourself. You have to know what does it mean, how do I impact that, and not to pretend like it doesn't exist because it exists. It's there whether you like it or not. And in moments of stress, it's gonna come back to you. I myself, I had a very intense experience, and I'm like upset. I'm going to be honest with you. Right now, I'm open with you guys. I was very, very upset at myself this past Friday. My son was in the kitchen, and there's a sliding door to the kitchen. I was going in, and I was about to go into the kitchen, and I put my finger in just like, it was slightly open. I wanted to pull it, push it open more. My son didn't see me, came and slammed the door directly on my finger. All right, Baruch Hashem, it's not as bad as I thought it was. I thought it absolutely broke it. It was, it was probably like this big, huge, and it was black and blue. I started screaming, and I screamed at my son. I scared my son. I said, what are you doing? Why do you... And I, I remember in my mind being like, stop talking. Like, in my mind, like, there's, he, why are you upset at him? And yet there was like a separate force that came out. And I was like, I was yelling at him, but internally I'm like, what are you doing? What are you talking about? And that's the challenge of Musr, is to turn that internal voice into your external voice. Now, Baruch Hashem, I, that's generally not my mode. 
like in any way, shape, or form. I don't like scream at him and blame him for this movie. And yet I'm standing there as like almost a third party. I'm always talking about this idea, like we're always slightly removed from ourselves. You never know what's gonna truly come out until it actually happens. And like an intense experience, you just had your finger slammed into a door really intensely. Part of you that you don't like, part of you that you are not even aware that's even, that's, that's even there, but it's there. The Bali Musa, what they talk about a lot is using our koach of dimyon, our koach of imagination to understand and to think about, what would I do in that situation? Now, one girl could say, well, just because I think of it doesn't mean I'm gonna, it's going to happen, or it doesn't mean, uh, who says, just because I think one way, that I'm, how I'm going to react is going to ultimately help in that situation. Yes, but partly, you've already been there. Once you've already envisioned or imagined that thought, in a sense, in one dimension, you've already been there. So when you're in that situation, there's a part of you that already knows how to respond. Baruch Hashem, I've never broken one limb in my entire life. You know, how I've got this far, is like, I don't get that many bruises, that many bangs. So the truth is, a part of me has never really full experience. What does it mean to get into that type of pain? So I don't know how I'm going to respond. But now I realize, wow, I didn't know there's a part of me that's like that. I'm going to have to confront that. I have to think about how am I going to respond. I have to talk to myself, self-talk. Like, that's not a proper way to talk. That's what tshuva is. Tshuva is realizing you made a mistake. Tshuva is understanding how to approach it. Being open and honest with yourself how to approach it. And to know ultimately that it can be changed, but more than that, Hashem wants that change. To accept the failure. And I felt really stupid at first. Oh, I felt so bad. How do I, if somebody, I walk around talking about doing tshuva, and me this type of this, how am I? The, and I'm sitting there yelling at my son. You know how embarrassing that is? And how embarrassing it is to tell you guys too? But I have, to, I have to confront my own embarrassment. Right now, I'm doing it right now. I have to confront my own embarrassment to make sure it doesn't happen again. You hear? That's really important. No, it's, it's Reef Mus, 100%. You know, he's a chassan. Okay. <laughs> oh, so now, that's the idea. The idea is that Hashem wants to hear Atshuva. So let's get back to the, the question we asked initially. What was the message, what was the imagery that Chazal wanted to use by Hashem saying, grab onto the Kisya Kavu? By Moshe taking hold of God's throne, in effect was latching on to the concept of Tshuva. Testifying that the true and honest repentant is, for, is the fundamental part of Hashem's kingdom. This is the very reason why Hashem created the world. And only human beings are shyach to the concept of tshuva. And that shut the malachim up like you wouldn't believe. And it didn't just quiet them down. It didn't just cause them to admit, okay, wow, we agree now. They said, wow, Hashem, we praise you for that. We praise you because we see that when tshuva, when someone does tshuva, it's not just that they're returning back to their original place, but if anything, it could actually be the opportunity to build yourself higher than what was before. You can make yourself higher. The malachim said, wow, what was their taina? Human beings, they're a waste of time. They're a bunch of lowly nobodies. But Hashem responded back through Moshe saying, you're right, but tshuva can make them massive. When a yid does tshuva, it brings them not just to the state they were prior, it actually pushes them up to an even higher state. And Melachim said, well, they're not a waste of time. They can raise themselves even higher. You know what the limitation of a malach is? What's the limitation, the limitation of a malach? He's, a ma- he's an oymid, exactly. He, it's a malach against the Rishonim, actually. But they at least don't go up or down. A malach stays stagnant. A human being, actually, if anything, a human being is beautiful because we have the ability to go up. And yes, part of... Parcel of that is we have the ability to go down. Part and parcel of the achievement of going up is the ability to go down. And dafka, that's what builds the beauty of, of life. 
equal potential in both ends. You know, my Rebbe says something amazing. My Rebbe says something amazing. My Rebbe is Rechatzko Weinfeld. He says that when it comes to music, you know, if, what's music? If music was just one single stagnant tone, it's quite annoying. But what's the beauty of music? Is that annoying? Is that why? Yeah, can you imagine? Can you imagine dancing in one circle? It's ridiculous. What's music? It's when the song goes up and goes down. It's dun 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 Okay, it may not be so good coming from me, but the beauty of music is, is that things go up and down. That's what creates a symphony. And if anything, that's what creates beauty in life. It's embracing the failure because the failure is what makes life more enjoyable because it makes the successes so much sweeter. Music by definition. You know, by the way, that's why we say, I don't know, whoever davenes, raise your hand if you're davening. When it comes to davening, what do we say at the end of davening, at least for boys? The Shir Shel Yom. Anybody here say the Shir Shel Yom? Yeah, you should say it every single day. It's amazing. It's amazing. Why is there a different Shir every single day? For this reason. Because every single day has its own unique challenges. And every single day has to have its is specific Shir, how you relate to that challenge. If anything, no, Andre Abba. If anything, it's because, we're, it's because you don't need the shear since you're in anticipation of Shabbos. If the shear is there to raise your spirits, but if Shabbos is coming, you don't need to raise your spirits. You're already excited for Shabbos. Here? You know, the, you know what the longest one is? What's the longest one? Because it's in the middle. You're, really, you're in the week. No, because Wednesday, you're too far away already. Tuesday, Shabbos is already finished. Thursday is not close enough to Shabbos. Wednesday, you're in the, in the thick of it. I said because Shabbos is because you're in the anticipation of Shabbos. You don't need that lift. It's like important to think about. Music is what brings you up and what takes you down. I mean, I said to say that it's what makes the beauty of music is what exactly has the rising and the falling. So why is Monday longer than Tuesday? Whoa, what? Why is Monday longer than Tuesday? It's a great question. I don't know why Shabbos is Friday. I don't know. Shabbos, you shouldn't have any fear. It's a theory. I don't know. I'm not saying it applies in, in, in every single day. Maybe Monday... What is that? No, I'm not saying the content of each shear specifically is in relation to the challenge of the day. What I mean is that every day inherently has its own challenge, which requires a different way that we relate to that challenge. Every day has its own shear. And if shira is the, is the understanding that the ups and the downs are part and parcel of life, that is act, that's what gets us in the mode of understanding, okay, I have to dust myself off, get moving, get going. Yeah, something's hurting me, something's bothering me, doesn't mean I stop my day. I still have to challenge. I still have to rise to the challenge every single day. Part and parcel of life is you have a challenge, you have a difficulty, rise up and meet it. Rise up and, and, and hit it. Exactly. Thank you. Ultimately, this is the Indian of Chuva. And this is what gives us the entire reason for survival and, and just living in this universe. I feel bad for people that don't have tire. I really do. Aside from the fact that they think they're, they're animals and they go to the bathroom and litter, and that's already a reason until, until it's self day to feel bad for them. How is the going If someone connects to, to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, for sure. It connects to, specifically, you know, by the way, I'll just tell you an interesting halacha. The Rambam Paskins, 
and it doesn't seem to be that big of an argument among the Rishonim, but the Rambam holds that for, for a Ben Noach to get schar in Olam Habush, means to get the world to come in the next world, he has to not just do the Sheva Mitzvah Ben Noach, but he has to be doing it because God commanded him to do it. Meaning even though most of them are generally very, very, I guess what we call uh, logical. Not to kill is logical. Not to kill is logical. Makes sense. Yeah, okay. Justice is lot. Well, what? Ever minachai. I'm saying ever minachai, right? Maybe also I can hear. I can imagine not wanting to cause cause pain to an animal. Each one of them has some arguable sense that you could derive it from logic. Says the Rambam, something amazing. Says the Rambam, something amazing over here. Says something the Rambam, amazing, which is that it's not just that they do it. It has to be they're doing it because God commanded them to do it. If they are not doing it from that place, they don't get tzchayin al they can be the most righteous, righteous, righteous. But if they're like coming from a secular, logical place, it's not, a, it's not applicable. They don't have Skyrim Lava. We're not doing it because Hashem said that. Oh, I'm not person's fun now.